0: Wednesday, May 18th, 2022, the 483rd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get started today, I have to mention, as always, the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, and his great American manufacturing company, MyPillow. You can go to MyPillow.com, type in the promo code REASONABLE, and receive discounts up to 60% all across the store. They also have buy one get one free deals on all sorts of items and they will send you a free gift Mike Lindell's memoir when you order. So make your life more comfortable. Get some slippers. Get some my pillows. Get a mattress pad. And you will be supporting this show, you'll be supporting Mike Lindell and you'll be supporting American workers. mypillow.com promo code reasonable. And while we're on the subject of Mike Lindell, I am going to begin posting this show on Frank Speech, and I'll be posting video up there too, and maybe some of the articles from Substack, and so they're all going to live on Frank Speech. You can also see them on the Frank Social app. So if you ever have trouble finding the podcast, you will now be able to find it at Frank Speech and Frank Social And I am happy to host it there because I don't think I'll be censored by Mike Lindell. So big primary day yesterday. And of course, the most news happened in Pennsylvania. And we'll get to that in a second. But it looks like Madison Cawthorn was beaten in North Carolina. And he conceded his race last night. Madison Cawthorn has been one of those people who was seen as a rising young star in the MAGA movement, the America First movement. He spoke at Donald Trump's RNC, the Republican National Convention in 2020, and he was outspoken about a whole range of issues. He actually called out Republicans for their invitations to drug-fueled orgies. So that probably didn't make him any friends. And they have tried pretty extensively to take him down. There were Democrat lawfare attacks on Cawthorn, trying to prevent him from being on the ballot at all because he had committed very violent insurrection on January 6th, 2021. He had repeated the big lie. And once he started talking about drugs and orgies, they started attacking him with unflattering photographs and stories about Madison Cawthorn's moral improprieties at a young age. And while I doubt that that put voters off to him, because I think that they're probably too smart for that nonsense now, it did give the media a good story about how Madison Cawthorn wouldn't win his re-nomination. So it will be interesting to see if anything develops down in North Carolina. North Carolina is a very rhino state. There is certainly plenty of election fraud there and the ability for the establishment to get the results of elections that they choose. And so we shall see. Pennsylvania last night had its share of problems as well. There's an issue in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, about mail-in ballots. There are... 21 or 22,000 ballots in question right now. And it's been reported with both numbers. So choose which one you like better. 21, take it. It's yours. 22, you can have it. It's exciting. But hearing that, I thought immediately of the case in 2020 where the truck driver had driven a truck full of fake ballots from Bethpage New York and he was traveling to Harrisburg but then was rerouted to Lancaster and to refresh your memory this is from Newsmax reporting on the press conference that was given by the Thomas More Society's Phil Klein with the truck driver Jesse Morgan so Klein outlined The truck driver, subcontractor, Jesse Morgan, who had said he drove the truck filled with potentially upward of 288,000 ballots, October 21st, the ballots were delivered to Harrisburg, but Morgan was instructed to deliver them to a Lancaster location. So he drove down to Lancaster. The truck and the ballots vanished after he parked at a U.S. Postal Service depot in Lancaster, he said. Klein said the numbers come from estimates his group discerned, but there were lower estimates as well. The low end estimate was one hundred and thirty thousand. So the story is one hundred and thirty thousand to two hundred and eighty eight thousand ballots made their way from Bethpage, New York to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where Jesse Morgan left the truck at the U.S. Postal Service Depot. And in the morning, the trailer and its contents were gone. And we all know that Pennsylvania kept counting ballots for days after the election, and they had more votes than voters in certain places, which happened again last night as well. And we know the extraordinary number of mail-in absentee ballots in Pennsylvania. So all of that is a pretty good indication that there's something extremely corrupt happening in Lancaster. And again, pure speculation. I'm connecting the dots. This seems relevant. I cannot say with any conclusive proof that I am making the correct connection. Just putting that out there. Just saying this is something worth watching. We do not need to be the people that get all our information from mainstream media after they have constructed the perfect story, the perfect reinterpretation of reality to keep people addicted to the central narrative. We don't need to figure this out six months from now or a year from now or two years from now. We keep an eye on it. Something strange is happening in Lancaster, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and it's going to be something to watch. We know what the election fraud systems look like. We know that there should not be a problem with 20,000 plus ballots the day after an election, and we know there shouldn't be any of the other problems that Pennsylvanians face. There were certain precincts where the employees didn't know how to use the machines and couldn't open voting on time. People had problems with the machine misrepresenting their vote, having to check after the vote prints out. And then saying, oh, this isn't right. I need to do this again. These are the kind of problems that machines introduce. And all of them make elections less secure and put the results more in doubt. So the big news from last night was that Doug Mastriano won the GOP nomination for governor of Pennsylvania. And we'll get into that in just a second. But the Senate race that I spent a lot of time talking about yesterday did not go how the pollsters expected. At least if we are to trust the numbers, which, of course, we should not do. And that is a problem with analyzing elections in this particular period. You can't trust the results, so you can't figure out exactly what the meaning of events really is. As it stands now, Dr. Oz is slightly ahead. And by slightly, I mean 2,500 votes representing 0.2 percent of the total. And then Kathy Barnett, who seemed to have all of the momentum going for her, finished a fairly distant third. Now, President Trump and his spokesperson, Liz Harrington, both have expressed a considerable degree of confidence that Dr. Oz will win that Senate primary. But it's very odd that he and Dave McCormick are so close because Dave McCormick is absolutely as establishment rhino as it gets. And so let's consider that when put next to the outcome for the governor primary with Doug Mastriano winning. And to put that in context, let's see how Doug Mastriano is represented by the global state media this is nbc news from last night the headline far-right election denier mastriano wins gop race for governor in pennsylvania state senator doug mastriano a far-right republican who built a large following seeking to overturn president joe biden's win in pennsylvania is the gop nominee for governor nbc news projected tuesday After 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Mastriano led his rivals by more than 20 points. He'll face Democratic nominee Josh Shapiro, the state attorney general, who ran unopposed in November. And say I'm nitpicking here, if you like. But this article was published on NBC News's site at 10.06 p.m. Eastern. And the second paragraph starts off with the sentence, after 10.30 p.m. Eastern. So does that mean anything? Maybe not. Maybe even probably not. But that's very strange. Should Mastriano, who received former President Donald Trump's last-minute backing Saturday, prevail in the general election, he would be able to appoint a Secretary of State to oversee elections. He has pledged his choice would reset the state's voter rolls so everyone would have to re-register. That is an excellent idea. That idea alone should be enough to run on and win. But of course, that's not the only place that he intersects with the America First agenda, and that will not be the only issue he needs to run on. But resetting voter registries around the country, that might be the fastest way to eliminate all of the Democrat election fraud apparatus at once, perhaps without even getting rid of the machines. That is a really, really effective strategy. And that would very likely be a nightmare scenario for the Democrat Communist Party. Mastriano's winning campaign message wove together Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism? What? Election denialism? and a rejection of COVID mitigation policies. Well, so far, he sounds like a superstar. NBC is straight up advertising for him. A number of Republicans have expressed concern that he is too extreme to beat Shapiro in November, with some state GOP leaders working behind the scenes in the past week to consolidate a large field around another candidate in hope of uniting the non-Mastriano vote. Oh, so you're quoting rhinos. You're quoting establishment Republicans who did their very best to make sure that Mastriano couldn't run. Now, the main thing about Mastriano is he goes after election fraud harder than anyone else in Pennsylvania, while his opponent, Josh Shapiro, the Pennsylvania attorney general who won the Democrat communist primary last night unopposed. He was just the choice. Just let Josh Shapiro be the Democrat candidate for governor. And that's that. And of course, they pushed the communist ogre Kevin Fetterman across the finish line. He's going to be the Democrat communist nominee for Senate in Pennsylvania, even though he just suffered a stroke like five days ago, obviously from the vaccine and spent yesterday election day being fitted with a pacemaker. Now, when you read that the Republicans haven't supported someone because that person is too extreme, that can be pretty easily seen as that person is going to make their campaign about election fraud. And we can't have that. And we're going to see more of the same next week because Brian Kemp is trying to beat the Trump-endorsed candidate for George governor, David Perdue, and the ultra MAGA, Candace Taylor. But Doug Mastriano was on War Room this morning, and there was a great little soundbite where Doug Mastriano talks about who he is and how he's going to approach this campaign. And I think it's worth sharing. So here you go
2: last night they made a huge deal when he had this magnificent open to your victory speech about mm. god and they said oh this guy's a christian theocrat talk to us uh, this audience about what god means mm. in the life of uh, doug mastriano
3: yeah I, I accepted the lord as a teenager and uh wasn't in alignment with with um, you know my parents beliefs or what have you so it was a choice i made on, on my own and uh there's there's nothing more important to me than my relationship with uh, jesus christ and uh you know, i condemn the media and i call them out for being uh, you know bigots and intolerant of of my faith or any other person's faith and uh, i told them last night that my campaign has no room for intolerance and bigotry and uh and uh, if media attacks uh, my faith or the faith of anyone else there uh, they will not have any access to me and that that starts with the washington post the kind of stuff they say you know about uh, me i'm just an average american steve I'm not far right. Anything. This, this is just a talking point. They want to try to label me and marginalize me as that uh, I, I had a top secret special department uh, information access for 30 years. You know what that is. T.S.S.C.I. I read onto many programs, had seven or eight uh, background investigations. If there was a hint of any radicalism in me or far or far rightness in me, I'd never have that kind of access to the nation's most sensitive and destructive uh, secrets. And so I'm just going to call them out. I'm not going to stand aside and let them create a, a narrative about me. Uh, if far right means standing on the Constitution and de- defending people's freedoms and defending the right to small businesses to stay open, defending the elderly from having sick dropped into their homes vis-a-vis Dr. Levine with with science denying policies, if that's far right, then bring it on. If, if far right's being that, that kids should not have masks t- uh, taped to their faces or that you lose your job because you don't want to get a, a jab that's for emergency use only, okay, whatever. And I think we're going to – because – Josh Shapiro and the National Democrat Party has gone so extreme that they left so many people behind that they're going to be shocked uh, in November in Pennsylvania.
0: So, Doug Mastriano is a complete and total right wing extremist, as you can hear. Gosh, what a scary, crazy person, right? He doesn't like mask mandates or vaccine mandates. So crazy, so extreme. Doesn't like election fraud. What is he, some kind of traitor? And he's clearly a man of faith, but I'm not sure what about him becomes a Christian nationalist or if that term even makes sense as a coherent idea. It does not seem to me like Doug Mastriano has expressed any support for a Christian theocracy in America. In fact, he just talked about defending the Constitution, which does not create a Christian theocracy. But the thing about the left is they don't care. And here's a great example of what they are intending to do to Republicans for the next six months, at least, well, probably forever, because they never really scale back their attack strategies. Listen to this, though. It is amazing to hear them actually admit what it is they do.
4: Carl knew me when I, I worked in the Republican Party that that. that um has really turned into something that acts on anti-democratic impulses, that um, bolsters the lies of uh, a president who they they knew lost the last election. But on on this question of acknowledging violence, I think the Democrats have the Republicans dead to rights. You've got a witness in the um, 1-6 congressional investigation, Cassidy Hutchinson, who has testified to Mark Meadows' knowledge Warn that there could be violence around 1 6. And you've got Kevin McCarthy on tape in his own voice worrying about violence that that could be created by the kinds of things his own members were saying. How do you not take Republicans worried about violence being created by their own and take that to the country and say, don't believe me, believe them?
2: First, let me answer you, you started off this premise of how does Tucker Carlson get 3 million viewers every night? A recent Morning Console poll said that 23% of Republican males are okay with white nationalists, white supremacist views. That's one in four Republican males and 9% of all Americans. So there's an audience out there. It's still a fringe. It's still a minority, but it's a fringe. What the Democrats need to do, and it's so obvious at this point, is brand them with it. Is basically take this replacement theory and now make it the Republican racist replacement theory. Make every Republican answer, do you believe in it or not? Brand every Republican, this is the party of the replacement theory. Take what is a... Sliver, or I'm a real minority, but a minority, and make it the entire raison d'etre of the Republican Party. Do the same thing with violence. It's the RV Party. It's the Republican Violence Party. Brand them. The very this is judo. The very very heinous things that they stand for and are hiding behind. Brand them. Up. Take a branding iron, put it on them, so that any mainstream Republican has to wear that badge and go, are "You voting Republican?" Do you understand you're voting for the replacement theory? Do you believe in that? Is that what you stand for? Do you believe that immigrants are coming over to replace white people and it's part of a Jewish cabal playing this whole thing and through interracial marriage? Do you because that's the Republican platform. So make the Republicans own it.
0: Now, Nicole Wallace is a clown. She thinks she's going to go out and say, don't believe me, believe them. And it's going to be Kevin McCarthy and some random witness at the one six investigation. No one's going to believe that. All right. And knowing that there might be violence on one six is not special classified knowledge about which something else should have been done, except by Nancy Pelosi and her associates who prevented Donald Trump from sending 10,000 National Guard troops to protect the Capitol. That was a Democrat, communist and Republican, communist uniparty decision together. That was not. Donald Trump's responsibility or Donald Trump's oversight. He did exactly what he was supposed to do to prevent that day from getting violent. And Nancy Pelosi and her accomplices had different ideas. Again, we don't need to be bashful about telling this story truthfully. Okay, just because the mainstream media has a different story does not mean we have to weight that story with anything. All right. Their story is an out and out lie. It's not on par with the truth, even as our truth about that day remains incomplete because Nancy Pelosi and her accomplices are still holding back 13 to 14 thousand hours of security footage that day that they don't want the American public to see. They don't even want the defendants who have been charged with crimes on that day They don't want their lawyers to see the videos. So there's no reason to believe that story whatsoever. Anyone knowing about the potential for violence that day, that's not some revelation. That's not some guilty verdict. But then you hear Donnie Deutsch go on and on about how you need to take a branding iron like you would for cattle and brand all Republicans with replacement theory which, first of all, they are not describing correctly, at least not when they're talking about Tucker Carlson. They are talking about the replacement of the American worker. Okay? Not the replacement of white Americans, the replacement of the American worker. And, for that matter, the American voter. I talked about this this week. That is a slave trade at the southern border. Those people are being brought here by NGOs, Funded by the richest and most powerful people in the world. The people they are bringing here would be ethnic minorities in our country. They're not coming by boat. So child brains are like, well, look, I guess can't be a slave trade then. Okay. They are being bused here. <laughs> Is that close enough? When they get here, they're being sent by buses and planes all around the country to wherever they're needed. So is that close enough? They're being exploited for their political power and their labor. So is that close enough? At what point does it get close enough to begin calling these things what they actually are instead of using euphemisms? Oh, they're just escaping gang violence and climate change. No one should be dumb enough to believe that. And no one on our side of the immigration issue is saying that these people are coming here with the intent to replace Americans. It's not about the immigrants themselves. Okay, they are being exploited. They are being raped. They are being murdered. They are being extorted. It's not about them. It's about the people running the slave trade and all the NGOs that facilitate it. And all the politicians and media organizations who lie about what it actually is or just pretend it doesn't exist at all. But what he's telling MSNBC child brains communists to do is to go around and think that they are capable of winning every single argument by talking about replacement theory Oh, oh, you support Republicans about absolutely anything. So you support replacement theory. And they used to do the same thing about gay marriage. If you support Republicans, then you hate gay people. They did the same about Black Lives Matter. And they do the same thing about climate change and COVID. Oh, you support Republicans. You're anti-science. You're a COVID denier. You're a climate denier. You're an election denier. You're a vaccine denier. They don't have anything else. Okay. These people do not even understand the terms they're using. They cannot describe replacement theory. They cannot describe how Tucker Carlson describes it. And even if they could describe those two things, they still cannot balance that against the reality that we can see in the world. And because they can't do any of those things, they can't actually Ascribe meaning to what they know and what they think they don't understand how this exists in a moral realm, so instead they repeat the television they're also so convinced when they see stuff like this on TV that this argument that Donny Deutsch just presented is actually so effective that it will work at all times and if the person argues back at all, if they defend themselves, if they try to say, actually, no, none of my views are based on racial or ethnic hatred whatsoever, and I would be more than happy to explain them to you if you will allow me. Nope. They'll yell and scream, and that will be more proof about how very evil and racist you are. Because they hear their version of what all these things are first, and if you argue... What their definition of these issues is, it's because you are inherently racist. So you don't understand how racist you are. That's why you're arguing with me about the things I don't know anything about. And the fact that you're arguing with me about things I don't know anything about and you're reaching the conclusions that I'm told only bad people reach, if you don't see yourself as racist, okay. Well, then you're implicitly racist and every white person is implicitly racist and inherently racist. It's part of being white. Don't you understand? You get born with the better skin color. Therefore, you hate everyone else. That's literally what they're saying. OK, one of the premises of them making that point is that it's better to have white skin. That's the Democrat Communist Party telling you that that is a function of of their ideological commitment to division by identity groups in order to seize power. They are ideologically racist. Racism springs forth from the ideology of grouping and division. It also springs forth from recognizing that some groups are more prone to carrying diseases and might spread their diseases to us. And if you don't think that was on full display for the last two years during all of this COVID madness, I don't know what world you're looking at. So yesterday, the story that I mentioned about Joe Biden's followers being 50% bots, that went wide. The bot check was done by a group called Spark Toro. They had a tool that found 49.3% of accounts following the official POTUS Twitter account are fake followers. And this was reported by Newsweek and then reposted by outlets all across the spectrum. So that for now, at least, is accepted as some version of true. At least it has not been disproven by anyone. And you would think that if they could disprove it, They'd find a better tool and get that out there immediately, knowing that the guy who received 81 million real legal American votes only has about 11 million real followers. That's kind of a bad look. You would think that they might want to clear that up pretty quickly. Why doesn't Twitter come out and say, actually, that's not true. (laughs) <laughs> the very real president of the United States has 22.2 million very real followers. And he must because he got four times that many votes. But hey, maybe that information is proprietary. You'd think that Twitter would be incentivized To show that the very real president of the United States does not have 50% bots since they have continuously claimed that the bot count on Twitter is under 5%. But maybe it's just hung up with a bunch of legal issues concerning the deal. They can't let that very important piece of information out. So we discussed yesterday how Project Veritas released a new video on Monday night, a hidden camera video of a Twitter employee talking about how Twitter does not generate any profit and is, in fact, totally dominated by communists who refer to themselves as communists. And Veritas followed that up with another video last night. And I think that the audio on this one is good enough to come through on the podcast without as much background noise so here is the audio that project veritas released last night
1: right now we don't make profit so it's going to say ideology which is what's led us to not being profitable the rest of us who have been here believe in something that's good for the planet and not just to give people free speech because again, like, these people really do believe in what we're doing. These are the policies we've put in place for misinformation or mislabeling media or whatever. Yeah. Why do you think this should be taken down? Yeah. Like, those are the questions they're going to ask him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's going to be hard for him to be like, oh, because people should make their own decision. It's like, no, but people don't know how to make a rational decision if you don't put out... Correct things that are supposed to be out. As an advertiser, as my business is what I do every day, and why I go out is like we want it to be as fair and transparent and accurate as possible. Yeah. And if that means there's a level of censorship to make it. Correct, quote unquote, again, and what does correct mean? I guess like, it just kind of goes into the idea of like, well, what is correct? If we're implementing all these rules that there's, and Elon wants to dismantle them, then technically our ideology has led us to not making money because we're not making money, and Elon wants to turn it the other way so that we can make money. There's a statement they need all seven thousand people to say, and so they can't like tell us that like. The real truth. He has Yeah, hospers. yeah, I know that. So he's special. <laughs> Your special needs. You're literally special needs. So I can't even take what you're saying seriously. Targeting of twins. Wait, 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 wait. You can read it. Let me see. And how to protect yourself. Groups like Project Veritas are active right now. Is that it's like some group that's trying to just out the employees, like they're trying to go on dates with them, like this, and record them, and then go sell it to the New York Times and say, This is what the Twitter employee just said. This is what's really happening. This is what they're telling us to not do. You're lucky that you met me organically because I would be questioning everything about you.
0: Okay, so let's maybe take that whole thing backwards. He is happy that he met whoever he's talking to organically. Because otherwise he might be concerned that talking like this about Twitter, the company he works for, on a date could be a setup by Project Veritas. So he was warned about it. He knew it could be coming, but he still got tricked. Whoops. So very, very smart guy. You've got to imagine, right? Not smart enough to get the real truth from Twitter. Yeah, No, he's just one of the uh, 7000 employees there that Twitter as a company cannot trust to tell the real truth because they might end up with the wrong ideas. Now, most of the media has gone after the fact that he was saying he couldn't take the things Elon Musk says seriously because Elon Musk has Aspergers and therefore he is a special needs person. So he cannot take a special needs person seriously, not with, you know, his tweeps, his fellow Twitter communists believing in something entirely different. He also admits like the first exposed Twitter employee from two nights ago. He admits that their ideology is making it so that Twitter cannot turn a profit. Now there are probably plenty of other reasons besides the ideology, but the ideology is a part of that whole. And as I said, the Asperger's thing is making the headline because that is the sort of thing that can be easily turned against the woke communist hypocrites on the left. But as usual, that is not the most interesting thing. I am not concerned at all with proving that the communists and their wokeness are hypocritical. That is obvious, okay? That's just part of what they do. It's in their belief system to use whatever they can in the moment to gain advantage. It will always be hypocritical because it's not being done on the basis of any principle in the first place. Their principles change as they need to. Pointing that out and then owning the libs for a day is not exciting, not interesting, and not effective. Although I'm certain that Ben Shapiro is killing it. But that said, Elon Musk actually responded to a tweet about the video and said Twitter exec trashing free speech and mocking people with Asperger's dot dot. dot. And so that of course causes a firestorm and then hopefully the virality of the Asperger's thing will actually lead people to watching the Project Veritas video in full and seeing what Twitter's about. But the important part of that is that Twitter employees recognize that the organization is communist, that the organization makes no money, and that the organization is committed to deciding what is correct for society and then allowing them to only talk about that? This employee worried out loud that incorrect ideas might be expressed on that platform as a result of free speech. And so it's the responsibility of tweeps, right? That's what they call each other. Twitter employees are called tweeps. I guess that's like Twitter peeps. Or maybe it's a typo for twerps. It's their responsibility to decide what is correct and then make sure that only the correct message is going out on Twitter. And so Twitter as an institution, or at least as the institution we currently know it to be, seems like it is on a crash course for its own end. And as I've said many times, this is the communist Death Star. This is the global communist Death Star. This is their best weapon in the information war, and they are having it taken from them. But of course, it's not their only weapon in the information war. One of them is the press secretary of the fake administration, which was Jen Psaki and is now Karine Jean Pierre, who stepped behind the podium on Monday and then announced how exciting it was for the country that she was the first black woman to hold that position and the first openly gay person to hold that position. And apparently her resume stopped right there. But let's see how her job has gone so far. This is an incredible compilation. I don't know who put it together, sadly. I have watched this, and I don't think any of this is a repeat or a replay. She just says she has no idea what's going on, like a hundred times.
4: I'm not seeing that specific. Uh, data that you're speaking of so I don't I don't have an update on that I will have to check in with our team to see if we have something to share I just don't have an update, but I I understand the question. No, it's a it's a very good question I don't have an update on that. I'm I'm, I'm happy to to go back and and get that I don't have anything specific on that. I don't have It's not it's not my place from here this podium So I don't have any update for, for you on that. Can you say that again? What what came back? I don't have a timeline on, on that um, so are you talking about a specific tweet I don't want to get ahead of what he's going to say uh, as soon as I as soon as we have that we'll promise to share well I think they will be happening I I don't have anything any update for you on that I don't have anything specific for you to point to as soon as we have an update I, I promise to share that I don't have any any list in front of me to read out to you I don't have any information about if anyone's on the plan that particular data I have not seen yet so I would need to check in with our with our team again I can go back to our team and, and figure that out I have no Update on, on the DPA and where we are. But Again, I was just going to have to check with our team. I've, I've not seen that report, but I'll check in with our team on that. I, I, don't, have a, uh, I don't have a conversation or, or a call to preview for you. I don't have anything for you to preview or uh, to confirm. And so I'll do that. I'll check in with the team. But I just don't have anything new on that. I, I don't have anything new to share.
0: Now, you can see that video on the info stream t.me slash I'm your moderator. That is all from one press briefing, just one. So it's not only that they put out false information all day long, it's that the people who put out the false information all day long don't have any other information besides that false information. They can't answer real questions because that would require engaging with the truth and reality. And you might inadvertently say something that's not on the script. And it becomes pretty easy to see what the press briefings for this fake administration are scripted answers in responses to questions they already knew they'd be getting. But for more on the institution of the Ministry of Truth itself, we can go to a piece from Taylor Lorenz in The Washington Post today. Now, before we go into that, you got to understand who Taylor Lorenz is. Taylor Lorenz is basically like the millennial tech reporter for The Washington Post. She covers TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and all the little fights, and she makes her entire living off of building shame mobs. Basically, she had some controversy a few years ago because she had been contacting Kellyanne Conway's 15 year old daughter in hopes of exploiting internal family dramas to make Donald Trump look bad via Kellyanne Conway. And interestingly, that incident kind of shed some light on the fact that adults could just freely reach out to minors through all of these social media apps. I wonder if that could cause any danger. Does that affect anyone's safety? Oh, no, it never could because only the good people are using it for good. This is also Taylor Lorenz.
1: I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the Internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. It's
4: overwhelming. It's
0: really hard. Now she's talking about being harassed online. A woman whose entire job is to target people for harassment online in one of the biggest newspapers in the world is complaining about harassment online. And that was from back at the end of March, beginning of April. Taylor Lorenz actually got YouTube to take down the video of that interview that she did with MSNBC, MSNBC, like full on global communist state media. She got YouTube to remove it because people started talking about how her ridiculous display of emotionalizing and nonsense was not only completely insincere and inauthentic, it was preposterous that Taylor Lorenz was playing victim of a society and a behavior that she has helped create. And this was her response on Twitter before the videos got taken down. Media companies are like, We'd like to do a story on the horrible bad faith smear campaign against you, but for fairness sake, we will need to include comment from the people smearing you as a pedophile in order to represent both sides. She's saying that's what the media is doing to her. She expected only her side to be presented and for her to look like a victim, which of course in 2022 means that you're a hero just for declaring your victimhood. At that point, you're a survivor, and we know that survivors of anything you can describe are heroes. But she went on. If your segment or story on online harassment leads to even worse online harassment for your subjects... You fucked up royally and should learn how to cover these things properly before ever talking about them again. She's mad at MSNBC because they didn't portray her as enough of a victim, so much of a victim that no one would ever disagree with her online ever again. And apparently that was her intent. She said, I could teach an entire class on this stuff, but the simple fact is that very few people in power in newsrooms actually understand how the modern Internet and online landscape works. And so they continually give ammo to bad actors. So she is upset that her video, her own statements, her own fake sobbing. Well, those were used against her because people were describing all of those things exactly how they are. They were used against her, which means it's MSNBC's fault. So I wanted to supply that background as we go into her column today. This is, of course, from The Washington Post. The headline is how the Biden administration let right wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. On the morning of April 27th, the Department of Homeland Security announced the creation of the first disinformation governance board with the stated goal to, quote, coordinate countering misinformation related to homeland security, end quote. The Biden administration taps Nina Jankowicz, a well-known figure in the field of fighting disinformation and extremism, as the board's executive director. In naming the 33-year-old Jankowitz to run the newly created board, the administration chose someone with extensive experience in the field of disinformation, which has emerged as an urgent and important issue, okay? So there was no field of disinformation before, but now that we need to stop the other side from ever expressing any viewpoint whatsoever, it is an urgent and important issue. And that means whoever was way ahead of the trend on promoting censorship, is now an expert. They're the ones with deep experience in this brand new field. The author of the books, How to Be a Woman Online and How to Lose the Information War, Her career also featured stints at multiple nonpartisan think tanks and nonprofits and included work that focused on strengthening democratic institutions within the small community of disinformation researchers. Her work was well regarded. (laughs) So like seven other communists thought she was just great. Wow. What an accomplishment. Oh, and their nonpartisan think tanks. I bet they don't support the global communist agenda. Oh, wait, they do. But within hours of news of her appointment, Jankowitz was thrust into the spotlight by the very forces she dedicated her career to combating. The board itself and DHS received criticism for both its somewhat ominous name and scant details of specific mission. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said it could have done a better job of communicating what it is and what it isn't. But Jankowitz was on the receiving end of the harshest attacks with her role mischaracterized as she became a primary target on the right wing Internet. Oh, the right wing Internet. Is that a different Internet? What Internet is the right wing Internet? Well, it's certainly not any of the social media platforms who have publicly now declared their institutional attachment to communism and their institutional commitment to deciding what speech can be free. So it can't be that internet. Which internet is the right-wing internet? Also, her role was in no way mischaracterized. Her role was characterized correctly. But that's the thing about eventually censoring viewpoints. First, you have to declare that that viewpoint is wrong. Now, it may well be Taylor Lorenz's opinion that that viewpoint is wrong, but that doesn't mean it is wrong, but it doesn't need to be wrong in reality. It only needs to be defined as wrong by someone like Taylor Lorenz. And then if you repeat the claim again, after someone has called it wrong, you are a spreader of disinformation. And it's not that person trying to censor you and trying to give a completely false narrative about everything all the time. Now, just three weeks after its announcement, the disinformation governance board is being quote, paused. OK, keep that in mind, paused. According to multiple employees at DHS, capping a back and forth week of decisions that changed during the course of reporting this story. On Monday, DHS decided to shut down the board, according to multiple people with knowledge of the situation. By Tuesday morning, Jankowitz had drafted a resignation letter in response to the board's dissolution. Now, this is why I'm trying to say you should keep in mind that this board has been paused and that she has drafted a resignation letter because it is being widely reported today that she has resigned and that the board is just shutting down. But if that's the case, why isn't all of that just being clearly laid out? It sounds like they just want to take this thing out of the headlines and keep it running in the background. Like they're just going to click to minimize this window for a little while, while they might rename the organization and reassign Nina Jankowitz. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But the victory parade seems a little bit premature to me. By Tuesday night, Jankowitz was pulled into an urgent call with DHS officials who gave her the choice to stay on, even as the department's work was put on hold because of the backlash it faced, according to multiple people with knowledge of the call. Working groups within DHS focused on miss, dis, and mal information have been suspended. The board could still be shut down, pending a review from the Homeland Security Advisory Council. Jankowitz is evaluating her position within the department. Nina Jankowitz has been subjected to unjustified and vile personal attacks and physical threats. A DHS spokesperson told the Post in a statement in congressional hearings and in media interviews. The secretary has repeatedly defended her as eminently qualified and underscored the importance of the department's disinformation work, and he will continue to do so. Unjustified and vile personal attacks. That's what it is when people make fun of her ridiculous singing, her obvious hatred of people on the other side of the political divide. The fact that she is as responsible for the flow of disinformation as anyone. She agreed that Hunter Biden's laptop was fake. This is who this person is. And to mention any of those things or to express dismay about any of those things, to say that Nina Jankowicz should not have a job is not an expert, that the field of disinformation is not a real thing and that no one should ever, ever have this job, that this board should not exist in the United States and by law and by the Constitution cannot exist in the United States. All of that is vile and unjustified. And of course, just as Donnie Deutsch pointed out before, you have to brand this stuff. You have to brand it on them. You are launching vile and personal attacks. That means any attack against Nina Jankowitz is vile and unjustified and personal, which means it can all be censored so that Nina Jankowitz can go on in her role deciding what Americans are and are not allowed to say. Jankowitz has not spoken publicly about her position since the day it was announced. Jenkowitz's experience is a prime example of how the right wing Internet apparatus operates, where far right influencers attempt to identify a target, present a narrative and then repeat mischaracterizations across social media and websites with the aim of discrediting and attacking anyone who seeks to challenge them. It also shows what happens when institutions, when confronted with these attacks, don't respond effectively. So you got that? There's this wide, coordinated campaign to attack Nina Jankowicz personally. It's not just a natural reaction to the fake administration presenting a disinformation governance board. It's not the fact that this is exactly like what Orwell warned us of 75 years ago. It's that Nina Jankowicz is a progressive woman and any progressive woman gets attacked. We all know how hard it is to be online. Hey, dummies, try getting actually censored. Try getting actually doxed. Taylor Lorenz doxes people. That's what Taylor Lorenz does. That whole clip from MSNBC, that whole thing that came as a result of Taylor Lorenz doxing the person that. Runs the Libs of TikTok account. But Taylor Lorenz wasn't attacking the person. No, Taylor Lorenz was defending the marginalized from having their own posts reposted by Libs of TikTok. And now she's upset that Joe Biden's fake administration hasn't done enough to protect Nina Jankowicz. Those familiar with the board's inner workings, including DHS employees and Capitol Hill staffers, along with experts on disinformation, say Jankiewicz was set up to fail by an administration that was unsure of its messaging and unprepared to counteract a coordinated online campaign against her. There was no coordination of the online campaign against her. It was not even a campaign against her. It was just people's natural reactions to seeing what she is and what that represents. It also doesn't help that Nina Jankowitz is a self-obsessed late millennial who was very likely a rich girl and absolutely an overeducated moron. And by overeducated, I mean too much pointless schooling. Not that she just knows so much. But let's keep going because this piece is just amazing. I mean, it's a bit long and obviously tedious and obviously completely biased and absurd. But this is the best version of the communist mindset that you will get on this subject. Just hours after Jenkowitz tweeted about her new job. Far-right influencer Jack Posobiec posted tweets accusing the Biden administration of creating a ministry of truth. Posobiec's 1.7 million followers quickly sprung into action. By the end of the day, there were at least 53,235 posts on Twitter mentioning disinformation governance board. Many referencing Jankowitz by name, according to a report by Advanced Democracy, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that conducts public interest research. In the days following, that number skyrocketed. The board was created to study best practices in combating the harmful effects of disinformation and to help DHS counter viral lies and propaganda that could threaten domestic security. Unlike the Ministry of Truth in George Orwell's 1984 that became a derogatory comparison point, neither the board nor Jankowitz had any power or ability to declare what is true or false or compel internet providers, social media platforms, or public schools to take action against certain types of speech. In fact, the board itself had no power or authority to make any operational decisions. Oh, got it. Because this brand new board does not yet have power to do the bad thing. It was never set up to do the bad thing. This is not a stepping stone along the path to a ministry of truth. This just has nothing to do with it whatsoever. According to Taylor Lorenz, the board's purpose has been grossly mischaracterized. It will not police speech. The DHS spokesperson said, "Hey, How come you're talking to someone on a condition of anonymity when they're talking about something so mundane and innocuous? They are expressing the DHS's position to a media outlet, a spokesperson for the DHS. Hey, just name them. Quite the opposite. Its focus is to ensure that freedom of speech is protected. Posobiec's early tweets shaped the narrative and Jankowitz was positioned as the primary target. Posobiec's tweets did not shape the narrative. We all watched Alejandro Mayorkas talk about the issue with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. He was doing it in public testimony. We watched it. We saw what he said. That's how it got so much press, because it's actually really, really bad and disconcerting. Republican lawmakers echoed Posobic's framing and amplified it to their audiences. How dare they? U.S. Senate hopeful and Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Representative Andrew Clyde from Georgia both posted similar tweets to Posobiec. Former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard also posted a video repeating Posobiec's statements. Oh, yeah. Posobiec made it all up. He's a far right troll. The week following the announcement, approximately 70 percent of Fox News's one hour segments mentioned either Jankowitz or the board, with correspondents frequently deriding the board as a, quote, ministry of truth, according to Advanced Democracy. So now Advanced Democracy is an accepted source. Whatever they say is true. They're a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. They would never lie. The Fox News coverage was referenced in some of the most popular posts on Facebook and Twitter, criticizing Jankowitz. I can't believe Jack Posobiec did all this, all those people just going out and reposting stuff as part of a coordinated campaign. Amazing the power of Jack Posobiec. Dozens of websites, including Breitbart, the Post Millennial, the Daily Caller, and the New York Post began mining Jankowitz's past social media posts and publishing articles to generate controversy. And the only response to that is this...
1: It's yours. No, I. Was... Your Mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys must. Have... Must have what? Look, Dad.
0: Where did you get it? That is... answer me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You are right. I learned it by watching you.
2: Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs.
0: Digging into people's old tweets and into their past and then creating a narrative about them is one of the basic tactics used in cancel culture. That's not some right-wing internet phenomenon. That's the communists. That's what communists do. And now they're upset that anyone else would ever do it because the truth is all of these people All of the communists have said so many deranged and crazy things. They've said so many violent things. They've supported so much violence. They have supported bail funds for violent criminals and writers. And they are the biggest spreaders of disinformation in the history of the Internet. And it seems Taylor Lorenz is using the I'm rubber, your glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you defense. Some of the posts were simply mocking making fun of her for parodying a song from Mary Poppins to talk about misinformation. In another instance, a performance where Jankowitz sings a popular musical theater song about a person's desire to become rich and powerful was misrepresented to imply that Jankowitz herself was after money and power and would sleep with men to get it. And I would encourage everybody to simply watch the video. As this online campaign played out, DHS and the Biden administration struggled to counter the repeated attacks. The Biden administration struggles to counter all attacks. They struggle to do anything because nothing they ever say or do is actually true. It turns out that a world based entirely on lies is pretty hard to operate within. And this eventually is why all communists fail in the end. And then they try to learn from it and they say, you know what? We just didn't communist hard enough that time. If we had just lied a little better, more people would have believed us and they would have come on board realizing that communism is surely going to create a utopia eventually. The weekend after her hiring was announced, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas attempted to clarify the board's mission and defended Jenkowitz's credentials. He did a round of TV news interviews and testified about the board during House and Senate committee hearings. A forceful defense of Jankowitz was noticeably absent online, where the attacks against her were concentrated. Hey, Taylor, maybe that's because no one wants to defend this dumb communist white house press secretary jen Psaki debunked false claims about the board during two news briefings and touted jankowitz as an expert on online disinformation but it had little effect on the growing campaign against her yeah that's because nobody amplified that viewpoint because nobody agrees with it because as i've been saying for over two years now there is not an actual communist majority in this country. Joe Biden didn't get 81 million real legal American votes. He didn't get anywhere close to it. And there are a million real world ways to support that statement and zero real world ways to support that Joe Biden actually got 81 million votes. We would have to trust that all of the votes that were counted Were actually legal votes. And we know that hundreds of thousands, actually millions of those votes, are not legal votes. And they also won't let anyone look. So there's no way to substantiate the claim that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. The only proof of any of that is that the TV said so. And then a bunch of people said, yeah, trust the TV. Their majority doesn't exist, which is why. The public defense of someone like Nina Jankowicz also doesn't exist. There's no one there to do it for her because people don't agree. What was the administration supposed to do? Jankowicz is actually really nice, guys. Come on. These smears leveled by bad faith right wing actors against a deeply qualified expert and against efforts to combat human smuggling and domestic terrorism are disgusting. Deputy White House Press Secretary Andrew Bates told the post on Tuesday. You got that? So the disinformation board only exists to combat human trafficking and domestic terrorism. They don't want people getting the wrong idea about what's happening down at the border. As she endured the attacks, Jankowitz herself was told to stay silent after attempting to defend herself on Twitter. April 27th, she was told by DHS officials not to issue any further public statements according to multiple people close to her. Now, why would they say that? Was the disinformation queen incapable of honestly defending herself online without exposing the fake administration to litigation? Ah, probably not. Democratic lawmakers, legislative staff, and other administration employees who sought to defend Jankowitz were caught flat-footed. Administration officials did not brief the relevant congressional staff and committees ahead of the board's launch. And members of Congress who had expressed interest in disinformation weren't given a detailed explanation about how it would operate. Oh, because they didn't know they were just going to censor whatever they wanted, weren't they? There was no process. There was no actual organization. Nah, they just appointed a commissar. Got it. A fact sheet released by DHS on May 2nd did nothing to quell the outrage that had been building on the Internet nor did it clarify much of what the board would actually be doing or Jankowitz's role in it DHS staffers have also grown frustrated with the department's suspension of inter, intra sorry departmental working groups focused on misdis and malinformation some officials said it was an overreaction that gave too much credence to bad faith actors you got that anyone acting in opposition is acting in bad faith a 15 year veteran of the department who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to comment publicly by the communist state. I am adding that obviously. Called the DHS response to the controversy mind boggling. I've never seen the department react like this before. (laughs) Right. Usually we just call things terrorism and it all goes away. And here's the third act of Taylor Lorenz's. Wonderful article. This segment has the headline A Textbook Disinformation Campaign. Oh, it's exactly how they've always designed disinformation campaigns, isn't it, Taylor? Experts say that right wing disinformation and smear campaigns regularly follow the same playbook, and that it's crucial that the public and leaders of institutions, especially in the government, the media, and educational bodies, understand more fully how these cycles operate. You got that? So, disinformation experts like Nina Jankowicz know that disinformation campaigns come from the right wing. Hey, Taylor, what does a left wing disinformation operation look like? Can you tell us about those, or are all disinformation campaigns explicitly from the right wing? Guess which one Taylor Lorenz thinks it is? The campaigns invariably start with identifying a person to characterize as a villain. Yes, it started with the right wing trying to figure out who in the fake administration they could attack and victimize. Attacking faceless institutions is difficult. So a figurehead, almost always a woman or a person of color, <laughs> you know, except when it isn't, is found to serve as its face. Whether that person has actual power within that institution is often immaterial. By discrediting those made to represent institutions they seek to bring down, they discredit the institution itself. Oh, gosh, how tricky harassment and reputational harm is core to the attack strategy writes the woman who was pursuing a 15 year old in order to attack her mother because her mother was part of Donald Trump's White House team. You got that? That's who just wrote this sentence. Harassment and reputational harm is core to the attack strategy. Institutions often treat reputational harm and online attacks as a personnel matter, one that unlucky employees should simply endure quietly. Oh, Taylor is probably recalling her own harassment campaigns. Jankowitz's case is a perfect example of this system at work," said Emerson T. Brooking, a resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab. Very, very serious. They try to define people by these single decontextualized moments. Brookings said, actually, no, it wasn't a single moment and it wasn't decontextualized. We saw videos of her singing. We saw videos of her speaking and leading zoom calls. We saw her tweets. We know what her opinions are. This was actually pretty thoroughly researched and all they have to say to combat any of that is that it's disinformation. It's coming from right wing trolls. And that it turns out experts say that Nina Jankowicz is actually a very legitimate expert at the age of 33 in a field that just started a few years ago. That is admittedly a very low population of experts. It is honestly incredible. It's incredible. I'm amazed every day by the things that these people say that they expect the child brains to believe. And the truth is, Taylor Lorenz is just basically making the defense's argument for this communist publishing it in the Washington Post and knowing that no one will ever read this much ridiculousness but hey wapo i guess you got me i'm the sucker in nina's case it's a few tiktok videos or one or two comments out of thousands of public appearances they fixate on these small instances and they define this villain these are the creeps that try to destroy college football players lives by figuring out something they tweeted 10 years earlier. Nina Jankowicz's comments are not being taken out of context. They all reflect one another. They reflect a coherent ideology that happens to be the ideology of a communist censor. The worst thing any institution can do in the face of such attacks is remain quiet. Several disinformation researchers said, You never want to be silent because then the people putting out the disinformation own the narrative, said Mark Jacobson, assistant dean at Syracuse University's Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs, who has researched propaganda, political warfare and disinformation for over 30 years. You need to have a factual and equally emotional counter narrative. A fact sheet is not a narrative. So the disinformation expert is saying that the factual narrative, the fact sheet they provided is not enough because it doesn't have the emotional counter narrative. The facts themselves were not enough to dispute the claims of the other side. And so they, the fake administration, that's who they're referring to, should have employed an emotional narrative to get people to side with Nina Jankowitz. They literally admit that the facts are not enough. They need to come out and be assertive and own the narrative by injecting emotionality, which for them means imposing reputational costs on the other side. Just like we heard Donnie De- Deutsch explain earlier, you got to brand them as the replacement theorists. Doesn't matter if it's true, it'll work. It's going to have a lot of emotional impact. They're going to have a really hard time arguing against it not responding with a highly compelling counter narrative or not getting out ahead of these campaigns to begin with, Jacobson explained, can give them an air of legitimacy. He said he was frustrated by the Biden administration's lack of a loud and vocal response to what Jenkowitz was going through. Saying it's amateur hour is cliche, but it's amateur hour, he said of the administration's inaction. So the administration didn't do a good enough job of spreading propaganda about their propaganda and censorship spreader. And just let me point out the obvious truth here once again that the propaganda and censorship regime is failing and crumbling. The fallout from the campaign against Jankowicz can be seen in the escalating attacks. Violent threats against her are flourishing online. According to Advanced Democracy, hey, why don't you just say it for yourself without quoting Advanced Democracy? Why are you trying to export the responsibility for that statement onto somebody else? Can't you just show us examples of how there is clearly a violent campaign against her? Users on far-right social media platforms continue to use misogynistic and bigoted language in posts about Jankowitz, with many users calling for violence. Okay. In response to one post on Gab... Featuring a video of Tucker Carlson discussing Jankowitz, users commented, time to kill them all and Democrats never say stuff like that on Twitter and Twitter doesn't ever leave it online. Another post featuring Carlson's coverage of Jankowitz was shared to a right wing forum with the caption. This is the point where we have to draw the line. Oh, no. Comments said Jankowitz should be, quote, greeted with Mr. 12 gauge slugs. Okay. So someone said that thing. Oh, no. An April 30th post on Gab featuring a tweet by Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado telling her followers, this is the hill to die on. Oh, you can't say that anymore. You can't say that. Sparked replies that were flooded with threats to Jankowitz's life. It'd be easier if we had a large group of trained assassins to take a lot of the government bastards out first, one user wrote. Now, is that a real user? No one has any idea. Does that represent an actual violent threat in real life? Well, if it does, call the authorities and have them investigate. Okay? Everybody on our side would say that. I don't promote any kind of violence or any kind of threats ever. But do people say stuff like that? Do people say they all should be hung? Yeah, sometimes. Do I take it seriously? No, not at all. Because some people use hyperbolic language. And a lot of those people are communists who don't have their language checked at all. Also, the truth is some of the crimes people are legitimately accused of in the Democrat communist movement are guilty of crimes that end up with public execution. And I still think it's pretty okay to talk about treason when you're talking about treason and the result of being found guilty for treason just happens to be the death penalty. We don't have to pretend otherwise. The irony is that Nina's role was to come up with strategies for the department to counter this type of campaign. And now they've just succumbed to it themselves, said one Hill staffer with knowledge of the situation who spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak on the issue by the communists. They didn't even fight. They just rolled over. Okay, so she was meant to combat this sort of thing and they succumb to it themselves. They're not bringing their best and brightest. Let's just say that. DHS staffers worry that the way Jankowitz's situation was mishandled could hurt their ability to recruit future talent at a time when white nationalist violence is thriving and the midterm elections are approaching. White nationalist violence is thriving? Where? Where? Buffalo? That's your guy. Commies. That's your guy. That's your FBI who knew about him. That's your guy. He's on your team. Scared of COVID. Scared of climate change. Describes himself as a leftist. That's your guy. And it also makes sense that he's a racist because that's your ideology we're going to need another Nina down the road, (laughs) said one DHS staffer who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he was not at liberty to comment. And anyone who takes that position is going to be vulnerable to a disinformation campaign or attack. Well, yeah, that's probably true. If you continue to define disinformation within an entirely false reality constructed with your own disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably true. They're probably going to run the same playbook on you again, which is just talking about what you actually did, showing the public what you've actually done and said and what your political ideology is, and then showing clips of you singing terribly. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden.